glad to have you guys here today, and uh, we are glad to have you. This is Ministry Hangouts with Greg Surratt, so let me introduce Pastor Greg Surratt, and uh, you can let us know a little bit about what's going on with these Hangouts. Hey, everybody. Uh, glad you're with us today. Uh, take your time uh, and uh, just kick, out, kick around ministry topics. We've been doing it for a few months now, and uh, a lot of fun. This week, we're going to talk about transitioning to the next generation. And uh, we've got some great guests. I am currently in Tennessee on a ranch. It's beautiful. And uh, really looking forward to uh, what's going to go on. So, Sean, why don't you tell us who's on with us today? Absolutely. It's a great uh, panel of guests. Thank you guys, too, for being here as well. Uh, on your screen, I would have started over beside you, Pastor Greg. We've got Andrew, Pastor Andrew McCourt, uh, who is joining us from Belfast, uh, United Kingdom, right now, and uh, is uh, the one of the pastors at Christian Fellowship there, and has been in a transition process with uh, Pastor Paul, who he will speak of, and uh, will be able to fill us in on sort of how that is going on. Uh, to my right is uh, uh, Josh Surratt, one of the pastors at Seacoast. Uh, who uh, right now Seacoast is in the midst of just seeing a lot of young leaders uh, come and step up and uh, really doing a great job and, and uh, Pastor Greg can walk us through some of what's happening there but and then Pastor Josh is a part of that and able to see what's going on and then to the far right we have Pastor Tom and Pastor Tom Mullins from Christ Fellowship and uh, just a, a great example of what a transition can look like and how you hand off the baton and, and I think we're going to be able to learn a lot today so I'm excited uh, about learning uh, all that we can from how we get more of the next generation in leadership positions and see great things happen. And so I'll pass it back to you, uh, Pastor Greg, where we can begin to talk, and I will let you guys know as we have questions on Twitter. In fact, if you're watching right now, you can hashtag uh, Ministry Hangout on Twitter if you have a question, and we would love uh, to get your question in front of these folks during our hour together. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Welcome, you guys, Tom and Todd. Good to have you guys with us. Great uh, to be here. And it's always good to have the Irish with us from Belfast, Northern, Northern Ireland, Andrew McCourt. You know, um, with both of your situations, in both of the situations um, that we're going to really be uh, delving into uh, today, I recently spent time with uh, Tom and Todd. Uh, at an ARC event, and they shared their story, and uh, fascinating, really, and uh, just a lot of interest from the people around the table in what was going on. And then I was recently in Belfast, Northern Ireland, sitting down with Paul Reed and uh, Andrew McCourt, who I've known for quite a while, great church in Belfast, with a rich history uh, uh, there, and... Um, Two of the best examples of transitioning to the next generation, really, that I've seen. Uh, let's just, just in a general way, you know, um, there's a lot of transitions that happen. Let's talk just for a minute about the senior pastor uh, role. I know in the past, um, with church government as it is, and, and a lot still today, the current senior pastor had uh, very little to do with who would take the helm after he left. In fact, uh, I know with my father, oftentimes when they left the church, you know, um, there was a search committee that uh, found the next pastor, and you know, oftentimes even the staff resigned, uh, you know, to go so that the new guy could pick his own <clears throat> and all of that. It's changing in a lot of circles. Is that is that a good thing, bad thing? What do you think, Tom? As far as uh, uh, do you see some trends maybe in a different direction there? Uh, can you address that just a little bit? Uh, yes, I, I, of course, I've been on, on both ends of that uh, spectrum uh, where a church has been predominantly board-driven and uh, the board makes all the decisions and the, the outgoing pastor has little to no say uh, to where it, it's more pastoral-driven uh, in the leadership and where the outgoing guy uh, really carries the, the weight of that decision and guidance, and then, and then I think that the, the the good thing that's happening today is that if a man has really invested himself, or a leader has invested himself, he has built the type of relationships and credibility uh, with his board, with his leadership, 
that now becomes something that can really function as, as a team effort where both the senior leader and his board work together as a team uh, to effectively select the right successor and set them up for success. Yeah, I, um, I know at Seacoast in our constitution and bylaws, and if there's a phone ringing, that's mine. And I have absolutely no idea how to answer it. So, but uh, that's live, live technology. Okay, um, at Seacoast uh, in our constitution bylaws, um, if uh, if I'm in good standing with the church, which is my plan, uh, I basically have um, a couple of swings at uh, helping to name the successor, and um, you know, I think I think it's a healthy thing. I really do. We we've, we've got a kind of a check and balance that. You know, make sure that there is congregational input and there's elder input and all that kind of thing. But uh, it's it's um, yeah, it seems to be a good good structure. Well, Andrew, that, go ahead, go ahead, Tom. Well, I was going to say that the, the simple reality is this: um, if if we're going to have a successful exchange of leadership and and really have the right type of transition, uh, you know, you've got to have your leaders on board because you you've got to work in one accord with them. Um, you've got to bring them on this journey with you. And we went beyond just our board. We went to the key uh, leaders in the congregation. Uh, I worked with our major donors, uh, worked with our key staff influencers. So if anyone that was a true person of influence uh, at Christ Fellowship, we, we got them on board and engaged in the process early. Uh, and let them handle the questions and the issues and everything in the early stages of it because I knew it was important for Todd's success even though he had, was proven among them and served among them for 25 years still they all loved him but I wanted them to fully trust him and embrace his leadership on all levels so we, we got that buy-in early uh, from them and then kept them informed and engaged on the whole transitional process. So I think that's really the test of our leadership is uh, really engaging everyone and bringing them on the transitional journey. You know, it seems to me uh, like regardless of what the official church structure is, you know, there, there are elder-led, staff-led, you know, um, right. and even in a deacon uh, type situation, um, I, I think some structures uh, lend themselves more uh, to you know to to a good healthy church, but I've seen good leaders lead through all kinds of structure. Exactly, and, and it's all about communication. It's all about relationship, regardless of, of where yeah. it is. Hey, um, Andrew, talk to us, and we'll get back. Todd and Tom, I want to get back to the details of what you guys did, why you did it, and all of that. Andrew. Um, your, uh, tell us just a little bit about um, the transition process at Christ Fellowship. I know you were not, you know, you're not related to the pastor, and we'll talk about that just a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were not even a part of the church when it first uh, began to talk transitional um, issues. You were pastoring somewhere else. Tell us a little bit about that process with you and Paul. Um, how did it start? Where, where were you involved? Okay, uh, hi everyone, and, and thanks, uh, Greg, for the opportunity to hang out with you in this way. Um, first of all, um, I was in another church about 75 miles away from here, uh, a completely different scenario, a church that I had planted. We were locked and loaded. Uh, we thought we were going to be lifers there. And then um, Paul Reed, again, sends his apologies. He can't be here tonight. Uh, he sort of ambushed me, uh, but that was all part of the will of God. And, and even at that point, I didn't have, I didn't know Paul particularly well. I knew him a little bit um, from some pastoral settings and leadership settings, but I didn't know him very well. Uh, but it was more like a, like a God thing of let's start the conversation. But as soon as you start the conversation, it's amazing how quickly it, uh, it moved ahead. So Paul had been um, the senior pastor of the church for 24 years. And um, in the best sense, when you thought of Paul, you thought of Christian Fellowship Church and vice versa. Uh, the church wasn't built around him. There was a very strong, capable leadership team in the church. But he was a personality that was associated with um, what we call it CFC. 
So um, it was a strong history. His he was known for quality leadership. So in the best sense, it was a very difficult um, act to follow. <laughs> um, and um, so, uh, but he made it incredibly easy uh, because that's the sort of guy he is. And Paul had really felt that God had told him that his time was coming to an end. He was about 57, 58 years old. Traditional retirement here is more around 65. But he just he just felt, no, I'm not going to drag this out another seven years. I've put in a great time in the church, seen the church have many successes, some challenges, but it's time to go. So that's sort of how it was initiated. Uh, he approached me on that, and uh, we felt it was right and then we needed to enter into a process. Okay, and what did the um, what did the process look like for you guys? Um, how long was the process? Uh, I lost you there, Greg. Okay, all right, I, let's start with how long was the process uh, okay. for you guys? Well, there was initial. Put it like this: There's when you come from the outside. Um, we we've tried to say there's some key questions around transition, and and we've advised people since. Um, the first one is the timing issue. Is it the time to transition? And that's both for the senior and also for the new guy or girl. And then there's the hiring issue, and that is: Are we going to go inside or outside? Um, recently, we, we, there's a book out there called Leaders at All Levels, and it is literally how do you, in, in large corporations, grow future CEOs? And they try to say, let's do it from the inside. That um, hiring is uh, a tactic, but it's not a long-term strategy. It can't work in the long term. But for them, they felt it was from the outside. So initially, it was like a little bit of dating. And um, do you like me? Do I like you? Is there chemistry? Um, uh, but in that type of relationship, it's it's getting faster and faster. And then it was like a period of engagement. So it started with Paul and I in conversations. Then our wives were pulled into that as well. And then we met with the um, uh, eldership of the church, the leadership team, very, very strong leadership, capable leaders in their own right. And um, that was done in, in wider settings. It wasn't done like an interview, but it, it was an interview in a relational setting. They got to ask all their questions. It involved also coming down and preaching, and then um, questions around various leadership scenarios, um, but also to do with what do you believe doctrinally? Is it the same as us? I was from a different background, a different stream. Um, and then also, um, what was your, um, you know, your values, your your sort of belief system? So it was a lot of conversation um, because I was coming from the outside. They just wanted to explore what do you think on this stuff, and practically in this case, what would you do? You know, so it's not only what you think, but in operation, what would you do? So that took a little bit of time, and so we started having those real conversations. The end of September one year and uh, then I was um, in situ in Belfast by the end of the March so it was about six months of like dating engagement and then um, and then coming to Belfast and then we entered into an 18 month um, uh, transition uh, with Paul and I on the ground CFC is the sort of church it, it's a very peculiar animal and I, and I mean that in the best sense very distinct and it's Style, and uh, I'm glad we pr we probably, on hindsight, thought this probably could have taken about 12 months, but because I was from the outside, it was more. This is going to take just a little bit longer, um, and so. But and I was glad at that time. Okay, Tom, when uh, how did you know? I mean, when did you start feeling? You know, we we need to make a transition, or we need to start talking about it. Was an event that brought that about, or was it just kind of? You got a feeling that we, we need to we need to approach that. Well, I, I think uh, we had been looking at this in a very long term manner, uh, and I of course been blessed to have my son serving alongside of me all these years, and and I knew that Todd was was entering the season of his life where he was ready uh, to take over uh, the lead role of the church, and I also knew the church was ready. We 
you know, you want to do everything ideally when everything is strong. It's like, you know, the, the relay race uh, illustration. <clears throat> Uh, the runner who's coming into the lane is at full speed, and uh, you hit the exchange zone, and the other guy you're going to pass baton to, he's at full speed. What, and then you make a seamless exchange. Well, Todd was at full speed. Uh, he, he was ready to receive the baton. Uh, the organization was at full speed. We were strong, strong we've ever been. We had a super momentum uh, spiritually, uh, Financially, on every marker that you would indicate for health, we were healthy and strong. So the timing was right. So w w when we made the decision as a as the senior leader, it wasn't about whether I was ready or not, although I had to get myself ready, and we'll talk about that. It, for me, the decision was driven more by, is Todd ready? Is the church ready? Uh, and if they're both in a good, ready, and strong position, let's pass the baton and let's start moving and thinking for the welfare of the next 20 years of the church, uh, not my welfare for the next four or five years. Okay. So that's what was driving us. Tom, what, or Todd, what about you? Uh, what role were you playing in the church before um, you moved into the role that you have now? Uh, I was uh, executive pastor and overseeing our whole new multi-site initiative. I'd been worship pastor and then I was teaching Anytime that dad was out of town, I was filling the pulpit, but I was also uh, teaching other times when he was here. So we, we started ramping up uh, my preaching and teaching. My leadership had already been pretty, um, right. I'd been leading uh, the, the team. He, I would say two years before we, we even went into a co-pastoring role. We went into an 18-month season where we were co-pastors. But even before we were co-pastors, dad started stepping back from hands-on leadership of staff and internal so by the time we got to co-pastoring, I was already had been leading the internal processes of the team and church, and Dad would would still be there, but he would not always be in the lead position. So the staff was was ahead of this curve long before we actually went to the congregation and our leadership and said, "Hey, we're going to go to the co-pastor role." So I was serving as executive pastor, but I was carrying some of the responsibilities that a senior pastor would carry, but without the 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 spiritual responsibility completely on my shoulders and uh, and all the responsibility there because dad was still leading and functioning strong. Okay, so um, as I look at uh, where we are at Seacoast a little bit, I um, uh, with, with us and we're not as far along as either of these two situations, we're just looking at what do we need to do and how can we uh, transition to the next generation. Been a great church you know, for my generation, 25 years, and uh, but what's going to happen next? And uh, with us, um, it was like we had a very strong leadership team. Um, my brother, Jeff Surratt, a lot of people know him, and Mac Lake and some others. And within about a year to a year and a half uh, period of time, it was as if God moved them into leadership roles in some other areas uh, outside of Seacoast, and I looked around and said, uh, you know, I'm the old guy here, and we need to get proactive about bringing some of the young guys on. Josh, uh, you're on, and uh, you're uh, somewhat related to me. You're my son, and uh, why don't you talk just a little bit about um, that period of time and maybe what it looks like with us as raising how has the face of Seacoast changed somewhat, in your opinion? Yeah, um, I'll say a, a couple of comments about that. One, I think one of the mistakes that I've seen people make that you have not made is that by the time they're ready to pass the church off to the next generation, the next generation's gone. Um, and so I think you've done a great job of, over the last you know, 10 or 12 years, broadening your your circle to bring myself and several other guys like me and some uh, substantially younger than me into your process, into your thinking, into your message planning and uh, have taken a risk and I think it was probably somewhat because you were intentional and then somewhat because of what you just described. I remember uh, dad took myself, my brother and a couple of other young leaders on our staff uh, onto his back porch about it's probably been about two years ago, but right after some of these guys had left, and I think Sean had left or was getting ready to go plant uh, Freedom Church, and and we just kind of had an honest back porch conversation 
about, uh, I, th I think he started it with, I've got a couple of questions. Um, one, are you with me uh, for the next season? And two, are you ready to take your game up? Because in some ways it felt like our, our senior class had graduated. The, the starting five had, had moved on, and it was time for the freshmen to get in the game and get a chance to lead. And so uh, certainly overwhelming at times, but also I felt like we were somewhat prepared for it because we had already, as, as Todd shared, we'd already been operating in some key leadership roles in the church, and um, we haven't experienced a transition uh, of senior leadership uh, at this point, and I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon, uh, but I do know that when that happens, I feel like in a lot of ways the face of the church has changed over the last five years and that Greg preaches about 50% of the time, if that, and when Greg's not preaching, it's either myself or one of a couple of other young leaders that we have on our staff. And so I feel like the church is um, sort of prepared. We don't hear the complaints that, oh, Greg's not in the pulpit any, you know, this week. It, the level has dropped because he's, over the last several years, he's just not been in it as often as he was uh, prior to that. So I don't know if that answers your questions, but uh, that's sort of some of the, the process. And, um, and, of course, we were excited uh, to be at the table, to be at the porch, to, you know, have the opportunity to lead. Uh, in a way that you know we didn't have to wait until you got hit by a bus in order to jump in and um, and, and take some leadership roles in the church. So that was a good thing. <laughs> I remember when I asked the guys, I said, "Guys, um, you, you you know that it's and our story had no backstory. I mean, with Jeff, my brother, Mac, the others, it wasn't that people were leaving mad. It was that God had a leadership role for them, maybe in a broader scope." And at the same time, he had a win for Seacoast in that we were going to, um, you know, bring up some of the younger guys that were already on the team. And I remember uh, saying, uh, you know, are you willing to take it up a level? And the guys were, one of them said, you know, I'm just glad somebody didn't have to die in order for me to <laughs> to, to step up and, and uh, um, you know, lead in, in a broader way. And I think they said that in the best way. Uh, Greg, Greg, I just want to add that I think that's one of the biggest challenges uh, for men of, of my generation uh, who, if, especially if they've been a founder of their congregations, they've vested 30, uh, some of them 40 years uh, of their lives in a ministry. And um, to get to that point where they're willing and able to transition is a challenge for them. I mean, they're, they're bad. they've given so much of their life to it. But when we keep a kingdom perspective, um, then it's much easier for us because we're already thinking about what's the welfare of the organization. What's mm -hmm. not? It's not about my identity. It's not about my welfare. It's about what's best for the church. What's best for the kingdom. And when we get ourselves there, then we can prepare. And then, and then God always has that next level of mentorship and uh, coaching. And maybe for me, because I was a football coach uh, for 15 years before I went full time into ministry that I find a lot of gratification being on the sideline, having the younger guys on the field running the plays, and, and I'm able to coach them a little bit, able to encourage them a little bit. I see you doing that, Greg, with all the uh, young ARC pastors all across the nation. I mean, you're, you're mm -hmm. coaching them, and they're looking to you for that coaching. And, uh, yeah, and I think the transition for you is going to be much easier than for a lot of guys because you're going to transition into something. And it's always better to... Right. to moving into something than to be just leaving something or walking away from something. And uh, you, you'll transition into even a more aggressive role of mentoring and coaching with your ARC pastors, both here and globally, and all that you'll do when you when you finally pass the baton to Josh. And, and you know what? And uh, I think we can learn something from the Barry Sanders uh, of the world. Uh, those guys went out on the top of their game. Hmm. And there's something to be said about leaving when you're at your absolute best, when everybody goes, why is he going? You know, when we wait to the, when we wait till they say, well, why didn't he leave sooner? I mean, we've, <laughs> we've blown that, that. That is a pretty no-brainer timing issue right there. That's so I, I would recommend for sure we go out at the top of our game when we still have a lot to bring to the plate and a lot of energy and effort to pour into the kingdom, and there will be no shortage of opportunities when a guy transitions at the top of his game and it's the best for the church. That's, that is a great, great point. 
Uh, I think of John Elway. I'm a big Denver Bronco fan, and, and they won two Super Bowls in a row. And as a fan, I'm going, okay, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. And he went out on top, uh, which was best for him and ultimately best for the organization too. Hey, Andrew, talk to me a minute about uh, how involved is Paul, uh, who you alluded to the fact that he is a big personality. Yeah. He really is. He is a leader, leader, plus he's a character. He's somebody that everybody likes, you know. How involved is he in the church now, and what did he do or what has he done uh, to make it easier for you to lead? Okay. Uh, let me just add into what you just said there before. I spoke to a leader the other day. It was actually in education, and he retired early. And he said the key question is that when you announce that, that you're going to move on, he says people shouldn't be asking you, when are you leaving? They should be asking you, oh, why are you leaving? Mm. You know, they shouldn't be looking, yeah. where are you going, man? Actually, you should preempt it, and uh, they should be answering the, answering the questions of why are you leaving, you know? So um, anyway, Paul Paul's an incredible guy, strong Irish personality, uh, loads of fun in that way. But as I said earlier on, he just knew in his heart, it's time to go. He wasn't bolting out the door, but he was very prepared psychologically and emotionally to go. One of the things that we, we, we made a whole list of what we call transition truths, and one of the truths that we came up with was that change is logistical, but transition is emotional. Hmm. And um, making change is, is an easy thing. Uh, we had to move here from Belfast. We had to uh, take our children out of school and put them in a new school. Well, the change was easy. We just put them in a car. We brought them to Belfast. We bought them new clothes, registered them with them school, and brought them in. That's an easy change. But the emotional bit, that was still happening for months afterwards. And for us, we uh, what Paul did really, really well, he said goodbye brilliantly. And we, we were advised on this, that you need to say goodbye on multiple levels. So you just can't say goodbye to the church. You've got to say goodbye to long-term friends. That happens over meals. You've got to say goodbye to your pioneers that were with you for 25, 30 years. People that have literally put millions of dollars in to the, to the church and have served and served faithfully. Well, you need to say goodbye to them in another forum. You need to say goodbye to the staff. That can be multiple goodbyes. Um, and so, and then there needs to be a general goodbye. And so Paul was very clever in how he na navigated that. Uh, when he met with, the, he had three different forums of what we called our pioneer people. He thanked them for believing in him uh, when he was a young man. And of course, the thing was at the end, I want you to believe in this guy as well. The same loyalty that you showed to me uh, when I was not a cert. Um, well, you trusted in me, and I'm going to ask you to trust God in him as well. So Paul was brilliant. We, we had a bit of a moment of where one day I rang him up. I'd been reading um, the book of Joel, and I felt really prompted to ring Paul. And this was before we, we had our service. We called it Switch, where we handed it over. It was a formal thing. And, um, and I, I said to Paul, taking the words from uh, Joel, I said, Paul, um, it says in, in, in the book of Joel that young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. I said, I, I want to tell you that my vision as a young man is to still see your dreams come true. We're not going to take this someplace that you never wanted it to go. This is just the next generation living out your dream. I said, so my vision is to still see that your dreams come true. And he reciprocated and he just said, well, simply, he said, Andrew, my dream is still to serve your vision. And he has done that beautifully. He has... Um, any conversations I needed him to uh, have, he had them. Probably the danger was Paul kept asking me, what do you need me to do before you go? He wanted to leave me a perfect church, and it was never going to happen. And uh, that was one thing, that's advice that I would give to senior guys. You cannot hand over. You can hand over a good church, but you can't hand over a perfect church. Mm. Not every bill will be paid. Not every person will be just, you know, not every demon will be out of the place. It's just going to be, 
you just got to leave a good church, but not a perfect church. So the role he plays now, we have an international advisory team, some quality people. Paul and Priscilla have been on that for the last three years. Uh, and that's, that's a non-exec, just um, wisdom sort of touch point for us. Uh, we've also asked Paul and Priscilla to continue to preach as we invite them. But we make it very clear to the congregation and to them that they're not getting invited because they used to pastor. They're still asked to preach because they've got something to say. Hmm. And that's really important. A lot of I've heard a lot of senior guys who have handed on the bat and go, well, they never asked me back. And I go, well, have you got something to say? <laughs> and Paul and Priscilla, they approach it fresh. And Paul will ask me before he gets up, when he's studying, he's preparing, and Priscilla, his wife, who's an excellent communicator, they'll go, is there anything on at the moment you want us to speak into health? And the last thing I would say on it as well, we, we treat them now in the church like grandparents. Honor for us was really important. A transition will reveal your true heart. That's right. And if you're insecure, anyone's insecure, you, you are going to have real trouble. Paul and Priscilla, they were absolutely secure. And Paul now, he's like granddad. And he gets to come back. He maybe preaches about, oh, maybe seven times a year on a Sunday. He would be something like that. He travels most of the year, um, and he's not around the place. But when he comes home, he lives near to the church. It's still his local church. He gets to preach, but he's like granddad. Mm. And so he has all the fun without the responsibility. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's good. Hey, Todd. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me about uh, what were the surprising things, what were the challenging things uh, as you guys were going through the transition? Um, you know, any, yeah, I think, uh, I think because our transition took so long, we took, uh, we took our time with it, which is really important. We talked about it for years ahead of time. We planned for the co-pastoring piece a couple years before that. We went into that co-pastoring 18 months, which was the baton passing zone. Uh, so we, we took our, our time building that out. I think for me it was learning what dad still wanted to speak into. He was still the senior pastor. Uh, he Even when we were co-pastoring, he was still my pastor, right? And so he's and my dad. So I had to learn. Uh, I had to just ask lots of questions. We communicated all the time in a good, healthy way. And so when he would dive back in and try to take something back on, I would just ask him. I would say, I, I thought... It's just pre-transition. I, I thought you wanted me to lead with this. Do you want to speak back into it, or do you want me to have it? Here's what I'm thinking. And a lot of times it was just having that conversation, kind of clear the air, and he would go, yeah, no, no, you got this. You're good. So I would just say, you know, making sure that you're spending time communicating clearly what you've got, what do you want to speak into, what do I have, what am I speaking into, where do I want to take it when I take it. I'm gonna, Here's where I, you know, I was clear about some of the, changes that I wanted to see happen. Again, it wasn't changing the mission or changing you know, our values and everything we built on, but the vision uh, was, was changing and transitioning towards the next generation. I, right. I stepped into it already thinking about who I'm passing this thing off to in so many years from now. And I'm looking right now and I'm, I'm trying to perceive that. And so I'm, I'm passing to the next generation. As soon as it got into my hands, I started giving pieces of it away and still want to. But I would say the number one surprise, because the week or two after the transition, people asked me, uh, so how does it feel? You know, is it, is it different? And in some ways, nothing changed, because I had for a couple years been functioning with a lot of the lead responsibility, and, and especially in the co-pastoring season, Dad, had, he had made tons of room for me to lead and to own. So in some ways, nothing changed, but in other ways, everything changed, because even when we were co-pastoring, uh, dad was still carrying the spiritual weight on his shoulders, I felt. And the moment that he took that repositioning step back and I stepped forward, I felt the spiritual responsibility of the church like I'd never felt it before. Hmm. And uh, talk about more sleepless nights and <laughs> more time on my knee and on my face before God. It was good for me, but I wasn't, that was the most surprising piece of the, of the, of the transition for me. It wasn't the practical side. It wasn't the leadership side. It wasn't leading team or working with elders. I had, had the privilege to do that. He made way for me on that. 
mm-hmm. but it was um it was it was the spiritual weight on my shoulders that I felt coming out of it. So Tom, are you sleeping better now? Uh, no, because now I've taken on Equip and uh, <laughs> for John Maxwell, uh, I'm I'm sleeping a lot better with the church. Uh, yeah. The church is doing great, and it is amazing how uh, Todd has built such a phenomenal team around him. Uh, and that team's growing, expanding. We're raising up leaders from within, and uh, I do feel the weight of the local church has lifted so much off of my shoulders. Now, being a founder, uh, it's always uh, a part of your family. You always feel it's like your baby, and uh, and I am the grandpa. Uh, I'm the grandfather of the congregation, which is true. Uh, so you always feel that. But I have such confidence in Todd and in his team that I don't carry any of that weight uh, in, in any dimension like I used to. And one of the things we did, Greg, that was interesting is um, th- during the transition, at the end of it, when it was actually the baton pass and we had the, you know, kind of the prayer dedication piece, um, I set Dad up to preach the next series. So I had just got done preaching a couple series and preached the vision series of where the church is going and and then I had Dad preach, and I was on the front row with Dad preaching for a couple weeks following it. And it just brought a real stability to the congregation that, okay, he's not going anywhere because he, he, we weren't in a situation where we, I didn't want him to go anywhere. I said, hey, I, you know, I, I gave you 25 years of my life. I want 25 years back. So, uh, so I said, why don't you preach next? And it just sent this very solidifying message to the congregation. He wasn't retiring. He was repositioning and mm-hmm. making room for the new leaders to lead, and it was it's, it's been very solid. He's been my biggest cheerleader. He cheered on things during the transition that he knew I wanted to see change. So when the when the you know, students got up and they just took over and it went kind of crazy and young and different, he was up there going, "I love this. They need to do this every week." And so on the front end of the transition, he was making way for these changes that were going to be coming. And and I and I've said this to our church, both to our our elders, I said it to the staff, and I've said it multiple times to our leaders and to the entire congregation that it's our desire for my wife and I, Donna, to now serve our son and daughter with the same faithfulness that they served us for 25 years. So we've taken this position of serving them. I esteem him and honor him. Todd's always honoring us in the past as he links to the future vision. I love that comment. Uh, that you made just a, a few minutes ago about, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here to fulfill the dreams, and and uh, the, then your pastor said, no, Paul said, I'm here to help, you know, fulfill your vision. Yeah. So I, I think it's that type of healthy environment that makes it great when you're able to have that. But we, we found it's been very rewarding. And by the way, I want to say that, that the only thing I look back on our transition and I think I would have done differently uh, is I would have passed the baton sooner. Mm. I, I think even uh, that we did pass it as we passed it and passed it well. It was seamless. The church has exploded. I mean, just absolutely exploded since the transition. Um, and I thought we were healthy before, but we're healthier now than we've ever been. And I look back and I go, you know what? I should have probably passed that poppy dog a couple years even sooner than I did. So, Greg, you better get ready, baby. Hey, I'm ready. I'm 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 feeling it already. Now, now, Tom, let me ask a, a couple of specific things just about uh, about your role. So, you preached a series right after the announcement. Then, did you go away? Did you kind of make some space, or or did you stay yeah, there? Yeah, I, I did uh, that that you know, year. I intentionally allowed myself to travel a little bit more. Uh, I, I took more speaking engagements. Uh, he hunted. I hunted a lot. I'm an avid hunter, as you know. Um, and I missed my hunting buddy Billy because you know we he would we've been busting uh, some stuff up together somewhere. Um, so I did. Um, yeah. I don't know how intentional it was, but I also knew that it was good for Todd uh, to have some space. I'd already given him that space uh, internally, but I think it was good to have some physical space. But yet we were still here, and I'm on the front row, and John Maxwell would be sitting on the front row, and we're all here rooting Todd on. I mean, I, I refer to Todd now as my pastor, and I talk to him as Pastor Todd. It's not just Todd. It, it's our. I got him said, hey, you know, our lead pastor. I mean, so I'm. 
I'm always affirming that. Um, and because we've created, I think, a very good, healthy, secure environment around here at Christ Fellowship, the transition has just been absolutely wonderful. And, and I think Andrew brought it out earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's any insecurities, buddy, transition will flush those out. Mm. And, and that will create real challenges for people. But because we've got a great environment here and the people have been very embracing, and they have embraced Todd as their senior leader. The staff has embraced it, the elders have embraced it, and the congregation has embraced it, and yet they show great respect and esteem uh, for my wife and I uh, as the founders of, of, of Christ Fellowship. And, uh, and now God's allowing us to be very involved with EQUIP and the leadership development globally, so uh, it, it, we've been very blessed. So how often are you uh, speaking at Christ Fellowship, Tom? I don't know, not not that much anymore. I mean, what Todd, six, seven times a year, maybe. Uh, uh, but he's here uh, a lot. He'll be on the front row a lot. Yeah. He'll when he's here, he'll get up and lead, you know, the communion or lead the, you know, time with the prayer over the people. So, so when he's here, he still does that, and so there, he's still seen. He'll go to our other campuses. He's helping us. We're uh, we've got two new facilities coming out of the ground, and he's up there helping to cast vision for it. And so it's it's uh, it's actually multiplied my because of our relationship. Uh, it's multiplied my my ability to lead because he's he's here still leading with. Okay, let's let's talk for a, a minute um, with uh, each of these situations about what has changed uh, from a congregational point of view. If I'm sitting, you know, in the congregation and we've watched the transition. Um, what has changed other than the, the person? Andrew, how has uh, CFC, which, you know, I wish everybody who is watching, listening, could experience these churches. I mean, Christ Fellowship is 30,000 people in, you know, several locations, and uh, CFC in Belfast has, uh, you know, 1,500 people in that now, and, and uh, has been a major, major uh, influence in music, uh, in worship, and also uh, even with uh, the the uh, the troubles that went on in Belfast as being a calming uh, uh, kind of a calming presence in that whole thing. Uh, so these are great churches. Uh, how how has how has it changed, Andrew? What, if if I'm in the congregation looking at it, how's it changed? What what, what looks different? Now? Well, people used to ask me um, very kindly, how's the transition going? And uh, and I would ask them, I would answer them, which one? <laughs> and and they would be like, you mean there's two? <laughs> and, and they would often be thinking about the personality or the senior leader one. And I said, well, Paul and I, we're great. That's going really well. Uh, but there's another one, and it's the church one. And it's actually going to be bigger than Paul and I. And the beautiful thing is that Paul was signed up for the leadership transition, but he was also ready for the church transition of CFC change. And he wanted to be part of that. He knew that church needed to change. So it wasn't only the face of the senior leader, but it was the church. And one of the things, again, these transition truths that we marked out was simply this. The new guy or girl is the strategy. And if you don't recognize that, you've got a manager. If nothing happens, you know, you didn't get a new leader. You just got a manager that would maintain status quo. So mm -hmm. I was trying to explain that to congregation. Just by nature of changing leader, strategy is going to change. The new leader is a new strategy. So some of the things that we, we started to highlight and pick up on and I've, I've spoke about is that it's basically knowing your transition. And first of all, there's there's a simple transition, which is from one leader to another, and it's simply a change of director, okay? But then it's there's a transition from one level to another, and that's the changing of the dynamic. And, uh, and that can be up in the spiritual tempo. It can be uh, just, just general, specific, intentional change around the place. And then there's one location to another. Uh, we, we, we deem that changing the decor. That's another transition in itself. Some of this we have 
done within CFC. And then we also said that it's, it's actually of um, one language to another, it's change of dialect. A lot of churches don't pick up on this. As you change leader, as you change generation, there is a change of dialect. And we even encourage worship leaders on this because a lot of congregations are not ready to go from oh for a thousand tongues to sloppy wet kiss. <laughs> if, you, if you do that on one Sunday morning, that, that is a whole change of dialect. <laughs> that people are like, wow, it's from Christianese to business. People start talking John Maxwell when it's been John Wesley. They've no idea what you're talking about. So we've, we've had to change, I would say, not only director, we've changed the dynamic, we've changed the decor, and we've changed the dialect. One of the other things is even the preaching has changed in the sense of Paul is a different communicator. So when you're used to one communicator 40 to 45 weekends a year, then a different guy comes in. Paul used to wear his heart on a sleeve. He was never a crying heart, but he was very open about life struggles, and that wasn't necessarily me. So I've had to, I've had to change a little bit in the early days of the transition so um, there's, there's been a lot of practical changes, um, not only the change of face, ultimately not an incredible change in direction, but more, more in those areas that we've highlighted. Okay. How about Christ Fellowship? Uh, Todd, what, what has changed? If I'm in the congregation, what do I see different right away? I would, I would think you'd see that the next generation, the youth, and young, young adults are really taking over and taking their place now. And uh, where before they were, they were always involved, but they maybe didn't feel like they had been given the ball to run with. They were on the team, but they didn't have the ball in their hands. And right now we're trying to get the ball in their hands, letting them lead out, letting them lead the services, let them even have goes of preaching at times. So we're trying to really pass it to them sooner rather than later. So I would say because of that, there's a more youthful spirit even in the worship experience. And so we've, we've, uh, we've given them a little more freedom. We've canceled. We used to have some uh, youth programs, activity uh, services taking place on Sundays during the services, on the weekends during the services. We shut those down. We moved all of the youth into the service with the adults. And we get we said, listen, we want you guys to make this your service, so come take over. So I would say overall those things have been giving them more ownership of it. And I think, too, uh, Greg, what I've noticed, Todd has started teen teaching, which I never did. Okay, I never would teen teach a lesson. I had, I, I did a teen teaching with Todd a couple years ago on Father's Day, and everybody loved it. But Todd will grab these young guys, our student pastors, and he'll get them around the table. They'll sit there, and they'll they'll teach the weekend lesson together. And he's, he's integrating them into that. That's a whole new format for our people. So I'm going, I wonder how our old guard is handling these kids sitting up there having these conversations with their coffee you know and I'm going hey, come on give me some preaching here you know what I mean and uh, and so I'm, I'm asking all the old guard and they're going oh we love it it's so great it's so and I'm going really and I'm going wow I mean that's one of those changes that have taken place but what I love about Todd is he's so secure in who he is he's never tried to preach like dad you know and I've been coached him that be who you are, play to your strengths. You know, you're, you're smarter, brighter, faster than I ever was. You know, I'm an old coach. I know how to go hut, hut, hit somebody, you know, and, and Todd will talk to you and he's relational and he's got his own sense of humor. And, but uh, those are some of the changes too. But our people have so embraced Todd as their leader, they have embraced the strategy of change that's in him. I think, Andrew, you put that so well. And by the way, I'm going to quote everything you just said in our new book on transition. So thank you very much. <laughs> you know, he, he, he sounds like he sounds like John Maxwell. I play, yeah, that's I play, it. Yeah, I play golf. Ideas with, have always come from other people. <laughs> I, I played golf with Maxwell one time while he was writing a book, and uh, he uh, he would stop and say, hey, I, "How'd you say that? Say that again." And then he'd say, then he'd, then he'd write it down, and then he'd say, listen, he said, uh, how do he say? He said, I won't give you credit. I'll give you credit, but you don't get royalties. That's it. I'll give you credit, but you don't get royalties. That's his deal. Exactly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> hey, Josh, um, I know that um, uh, you and your team, and we're really building a team uh, 
um, very intentionally um, for the next generation. And I know we're early in the process, but um, would it be fair to ask you what what do you think? How do you think Seacoast will look differently uh, in the future? Uh, is there is there any specific things that you see that uh, w with the next generation leadership that might look a little bit differently in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, it's a good question. It's a tough question, one that we've thought about some, uh, but we've uh, you know, as as a new group of leaders, you don't want to get out in front of uh, the current leader. And so the good thing, like like you, I think Andrew, you may have talked about it. We we won't be getting a perfect church, but we're going to be getting a very healthy church. Yeah. So we don't feel like we need to um, switch our vision or change even some of the vehicles. I think what we're going to see is some of what uh, Todd just described, actually Pastor Tom described, um, I'm preaching this weekend and my wife Lisa is going to preach with me. Um, she's going to preach a couple of points and I'm going to preach a couple of points. That's just because her um, wiring is different uh, than my mom's wiring was. That wouldn't be something that mom would really want to do or aspire to do. But I, I see maybe um, the face looking, uh, having some more team teaching, uh, and also probably utilizing our spouses in a different way um, in the future than than maybe that has been done in the in the past. So um, those are a couple of things. I love what uh, what Todd talked about in the sense of. Um, already thinking about who we're passing the baton to and that's something that I've been thinking about. I think about my son who's uh, six years old and think I want to I want to be able to lead a church in such a way that uh, his generation calls it their church, owns it as their church and I think the only way that happens is if we're already begin to hand away parts of the ministry and visual, you know, upfront um, opportunities on the weekend to our current students and student leadership teams. So. Um, I'm taking more notes than I am talking on this call, uh, which is uh, a good thing, and look forward to following up with, with both of the guys on the call, uh, or all three of the guys, to, to kind of pick their brains a little bit further. But those are a couple of things, small things that I think, but I think, again, the vision is strong. Uh, one of the main things I want to do with the next generation of leadership is honor the, the current and the past uh, and lead in a way that they can still call it their church as well. Um, and, and I think it sounds like that's something that you guys have done really well down at Christ Fellowship. Uh, and it, it, the old the old guard didn't have to leave in order for the new guard to come in. That They're now leading together and serving each other's vision, which is really cool uh, to, mm -hmm. to see that played out. That's, that's true. All right. Well, we are – this has been a great conversation. I've got so many more questions that I'd love to go through, but we're at the end of our hour. Um what we like to do is uh, take w one last kind of swing on um, is there anything you're reading or hearing uh, that keeps you awake or that has been really good or anything you're involved in and this is an opportunity for shameless self-promotion okay so uh, so so I want to hear all about equip you know what you're doing right now uh, Tom uh, uh, or, or anything else Andrew, is there anything you're reading, hearing uh, that's really feeding you or anything you want to promote that's happening at, um, in, in your arena? I, I think for us, um, the one book that's uh, shaping us at the moment, uh, probably on this um, area, is, is both leaders at all levels and also um, the leadership pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, we're working, it's caused us to think very hard about the language that we use as uh, in leadership in CFC, but also our own pipeline. How are we taking someone from um, literally a visitor on a Sunday to make them potentially a site pastor or a potentially even as well a senior pastor? How intentional are we on? So leadership pipeline's been a fantastic book, and we're trying to shape right now our own leadership pipeline stroke leadership journey. That is a great book. Influenced us. Tremendously and still does. Tom, Todd, um, how about you guys? Hey, Todd. Uh, we've uh, just had a connection with Scott Williams, who uh, Scott wrote a book on church diversity, mm -hmm. and God has blessed our church uh, with to be very diverse in race and ethnicity. And uh, it's it's almost happened in spite of us because uh, for so long our church staff wasn't very diverse and so in the last couple years we've been trying to be very intentional about how do we steward 
this diversity well. And so we had Scott come in and preach for us uh, just a couple weekends ago. He did a great job and then work with our team and our lead team through his book on church diversity so that we can really begin to steward that that part of the, of the body of Christ really well. And what's beautiful is um, it's, it's happening and we're going to get better at it, but uh, we're taking some steps to look more a little more like heaven uh, and not so you know segregated as some churches still can be today. That's good stuff. Scott Williams is awesome. What, what's uh, Sean? Maybe you guys can put uh, on our um, um, website here or somewhere uh, Scott's Twitter Twitter feed if somebody wants to follow up with that too. We will. We'll put something right now on the Ministry Hangouts Twitter feed to give okay. some reference and the books that you guys have been referencing as well. Um, we've been putting those up. So Ministry Hangouts Twitter handle. You can see all the books that have been references and any resources. Okay, Tom, what's what's going on? Well, I, I'm struggling through uh, James Hunter's book to change the world. I mean, it's, oh, uh, it's so you know, good. It's like a textbook, yes. uh, but it it's it really challenges you because he challenges all the traditional approaches we use uh, to try to bring transformation to our, our areas. Um, but yet, uh, I, I'm enjoying it very much. So I think it's a, I think it's a great read um, for sure. And, uh, and Chris Hodges got me turned on to that. And, um, uh, you know, because we're out here, we're obviously in our local regions trying to change our worlds. And then with Equip Ministry, John Maxwell's leadership uh, ministry, uh, we're trying to raise up leaders that will be people who bring change to their nations. And uh, so, so that's been really challenging for me. And I've been traveling, uh, talking to some world leaders and I'm looking for those five talent type guys, you know, uh, to really uh, build a network with uh, that. Uh, if we can get the five talent guys who God's blessed out there who are world changers in their own rights to begin to mentor other emerging leaders around the world, I believe that we're going to find a, a wonderful formula that will ultimately bring about true spiritual transformation. And so uh, I'm kind of on that quest to uh, network these guys, get them together both here in our nation and among the nations of the world. So, uh, Andrew, uh, you, you've got to go find those uh, level five guys uh, yeah. in the in, in United Kingdom, and let's get them together and let's get a strategy for Europe. And we're getting guys together in Africa, guys together in India, China, uh, in, in the Pacific Rim. Uh, and here in North America and, and South America, and so that's all. That's all we're doing. We're just, you know, hanging out. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's with your uh, kind of fairly recent responsibilities yes. as leading equip. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Joshua, what about you? Anything that uh, stirs you, or anything you guys are involved in? Yeah, I mean, I think two two thoughts come to mind. One. Um, we worked with Life Together this year to do some alignment studies for small groups, and uh, we've just really seen, you know, kind of on a broader perspective, what kind of power and bandwidth there is in uh, aligning the church in uh, the small groups around what we're talking about on the weekend, and how uh, relatively easy it is to create that curriculum. We've created two on our own now since we worked with uh, with Life Together to do it with them, and. Um, it's just created a momentum like we haven't seen in a while uh, around you know where we're going and what we're seeing as a church. The book that I'm reading right now, I'm a little late to the game on it, so I know most of you guys have probably already read it, but it's Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley, mm -hmm. and uh, just a brilliant, brilliant book on um, on how they structure their church. And I know when I think about Seacoast, I don't want it only to be a church that grows wide by the thousands, but I think uh, a measure for me would be that we're also a church that. Uh, when you look at the people 10 years from now, their affection for Christ is greater then than it is now, and we're, we're building a deeper faith as well. And so just Andy, as he always is, is brilliant, and that's probably uh, the book that he's written that I've probably gravitated to the most um, just because of the practical nature of it, uh, getting behind the scenes of what they do at North Point. Good stuff. Well, guys, thank you, all of you, for uh, being a part. This has been great. And, uh, again, you can go on ministryhangouts.com. Uh, we will have this uploaded within just a few minutes. 
and uh, if you think it would be profitable for someone on your staff or uh, to review again or maybe somebody you know you want to send them a link to it. Sean, can you kind of give us uh, what's next, where, where are we going and uh, what's happening? Yeah, and thank you guys again for joining us. Um, we've got now, this is our 13th, I believe, Ministry Hangout, so go back and check out the other topics. And then also next, uh, in two weeks, on August the 28th, uh, very excited. We're going to be looking at rest and ministry and avoiding burnout. And uh, we have got Greg Sicilio, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he is Coach Greg is what I call him. And he's the enemies of excellence. I read that book on a plane ride recently. An incredible, incredible book. If you haven't seen that, you may want to read it before the hangout. And Greg's going to be along with us, as well as Wayne Cordera is going to be joining us. Uh, who has got an excellent book on avoiding burnout and, and just kind of finding your soul again in ministry. And uh, so we're looking forward to hearing from both of those guys in addition to others uh, that will be on the call. But that's going to be a great call in two weeks. So make sure and spread the word. August 28th, uh, we will uh, see you there and look forward to it. Be okay if I go to Hawaii and do that since Wayne will be out there. I could just be on location. And, and I think the production staff needs to come with you, but yes, I think that would be great. <laughs> Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. It's been great, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, doing it again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Thank guys. you. God bless Thank you, guys. Thanks.